Welcome to the Red Caps Podcast, a podcast where we dip our caps into the blood of our listeners and we ramble on about old school games. In today's episode, we are going to revisit the topic of fudging. As you know, no mortal can outrun a red cap. So I hope you sit back, listen, and enjoy. Back on episode 17 of this podcast, I put out some pretty clear thoughts on what I consider fudging and why I think it's cheating. I still hold that belief entirely, and if you game with me, there won't be any fudging. What brings this topic to your ears today is that Twitter, in its infinite cycle of discussions, began once again talking about fudging and whether or not if you fudge dice, are you actually playing D&D because, hey, there's rules for a reason. That got me thinking, uh, hey, I wonder if there are rules in D&D regarding fudging. And well, spoiler alert, there are. So I went back to the beginning, went right back to OD&D to see if there were any instructions for how a DM should roll. Um, and I was reminded of something that I knew, but had kind of forgotten over time, was that back in OD&D, there was no Dungeon Master. You were a campaign referee, as per book one. Uh, the term Dungeon Master didn't even really come into the lexicon until book five, uh, Blackmore. The idea of a referee is important, uh, because by definition, it's an official who watches a game and make sure that the rules are all adhered to. Over the history of D&D, uh, we'll see that the term goes from being strictly referee to including a whole lot of other items, and that's where uh, some of the fudging stuff starts to come in, I think. So, leaving OD&D, uh, everything is marked down as a straight referee, no indication of, of you know, changing rules in any way. We get to Holmes Basic. Again, the DM is referred to as a referee, and as far as I can tell by reading through it, there is no mention of messing with the die rolls at all. Moldvay has very much the, the same DM as a referee definition, and everything seems pretty much as always. Dice rolls are dice rolls, live with the results. In Expert, however, Cook puts out a tiny hint that you could maybe change some things or ignore the dice roll when it comes to rolling random encounters. Now, this is not blatant and could simply mean to be, could simply be read to mean hey, be wiser about when you roll uh, and make sure you're only rolling when you actually want to. But in the book it says, but I rolled. A common mistake most DMs make is relying too much on random die rolls. An entire evening can be spoiled if an unplanned wilderness encounter on the way to the dungeon goes badly for the party. The DM must use good judgment in addition to random tables. So again, nothing damning there, but it's the first little hint of, of uh, warning this one is probably more advice of just making sure you are willing to accept the dice roll before you make it. If you look at the rules encyclopedia uh, for Beckme, um, your take on this is pretty much the same tone and the same advice from Moldvay, but they add in the following, which again doesn't directly say fudge, but seems to open up the door just a tiny bit more for it. In rules encyclopedia, there is a quote that says, likewise, the DM may choose numbers instead of rolling for the amount of damage number appearing, etc. This may be necessary to allow for a more enjoyable game. Heavy damage early in the game may spoil the fun. So it seems here they're giving you the option to, instead of rolling for damage, just picking a number. Um, and assumably you would do that because again, heavy damage is possibly going to spoil your fun. So you could make the damage a little bit less. So you see a little bit more of it by the time we get to back me. So let's go back in time now from Beckme and we'll go back to the first edition DMG, often referred to as the Holy Tome of Gygax. 
The beauty of the DMG is that it's written as a stream of thought, almost like a director's commentary version of what may come in the future. In here, we get that DMing is an art, but we still primarily refer to the DM as a referee. When I see the first, sorry, where I see the first real indication of allowed fudging is on page 110, where Gary says, in many situations, it is correct and fun to have the players roll dice for such things as melee hits or saving throws. However, it is your right to control the dice at any time and to roll dice for players. You may wish to do this to keep them from knowing a specific fact. You may also give them an edge in finding a particular clue. An example is a secret door or a complex of monsters and treasures that would be especially entertaining. You have every right to overrule the dice at any time if there is a particular course of events that you would like to have occur. And then later on on the same page, we get yet one die roll you should never tamper with is system shock. So the key part of that statement for me is that you could never tamper with that dice roll, but that means there's other ones you could. And earlier in that statement, it really sounds like he's saying that, you know, you should over, you should, or maybe can, maybe not should, but you can override dice at any time if it will help you guide the story where you want to. So jumping forward from there, um, we go to second edition. And I honestly couldn't find any direct instance of fudging uh, in the wording as far as dice rolls go. Um, there are some other rulings about, you know, the DM may or may not allow a player to do something, but not so much on die rolls. When, so for as far as I can tell, second edition is pretty clean. Um, the definition of DM is pretty much the same and there's no indication of anything else. By the time we get to third edition though, uh, third edition, which is now published by its new owners, Wizards of the Coast, the definition of DM has changed and is now, the DM is now a uh, focusing on writing, teaching, acting, then refereeing, arbitrating, and facilitating. Facilitating. Words are hard. Anyhow, much of DMG and the game begins to slide its focus towards the idea of telling stories as seen by the writing, teaching, acting uh, phrasing being ahead of anything to do with the rules. Then we see where fudging is full out allowed when we get to the section of the DMG called DM Cheating on page 18. It reads, Do you stand by and watch them get slaughtered? Or do you cheat and have the foes run off? Or fudge the dice roll so that the PCs can, can miraculously win in the end? There are really two issues at hand. Do you cheat? The answer? The DM can't cheat. You're the umpire. And what you say goes. As such, it is certainly within your rights to sway one uh, sway things one way or another to keep people happy or to keep things moving uh, smoothly. So, the argument of whether or not you can fudge, uh, as far as playing D and D, gets solved right there. The Twitter argument's over. It's in the DMG. Whether or not you like it or whether or not you use it, I don't and I won't. But it is there. So if somebody says they're fudging, they are still playing D and D. It's written directly into the book. Uh, when we jump to 4th edition, I do feel that there was a push to try to get things back to a bit more of a normal definition. Um, the DM gets defined as the rules moderator, a narrator, and a player of many different characters, the primary creator of the game's world, the campaign, and the adventure. So the rules is back out in front in front of everything else. And that kind of ties in well with how I've always seen 4E, right? It was a game meant to be very rules, very strategic, very, it's often gets criticized for, but very video game-like. Um, so yeah, they put 
in the definition of a, of a DM. The rules are back in the front. The language I'm fudging is a bit different here too. Um, it sounds like they are saying, yeah, it happens, but they are maybe trying to discourage it a little bit more. Uh, it reads, rolling behind the screen lets you fudge if you want to. If two critical hits in a row would kill a character, you may want to change the second critical hit to a normal hit or even a miss. Don't do it too often though, and don't let on that you're doing it, or other players may feel as though they don't face any real risk or worse that you're playing favorites. So it you know goes from being, hey, of course you can do it, to yeah, you can do it, and here's another example of what you might do, but don't do it too much and don't let people know about it. This is where it gets sneaky. Um, so before it was, in, th- in third edition, it was like, yeah, it can happen, and we're open about it. In fourth, they're like, hey, yeah, if you do it, keep it to yourself. When you get to the current edition, uh, the fifth edition, um, the order of things for the DM changes again. So it's now defined as someone who is inventing, writing, storytelling, improvising, acting, and then finally refereeing. So we see, again, the DM, as far as refereeing the rules, becomes the least important thing out of the list of, of items. And the 5e has verbatim the exact same language as 4e as far as uh, fudging. So what's the takeaway from all of this? Why am I doing this episode? Um, I'd say that from the time of first edition forward, the game has had at some level directly referenced or strongly hinted in support of fudging in some way. And that the idea that a DM is an impartial referee that should always be fair and follow the rules exactly began to wither away around that same time does not mean that you cannot play the game with an impartial referee and without fudging. Of course you can play that way. That's the way I prefer to play. You can play in any way that you like. Um, I'm not going to fudge in my games, but I will probably tone down how aggressive I am on being anti-fudge. This was kind of an eye-opening for me. I didn't realize how much of this was in the DMGs. I also think that the wording and the definition of changes in the of the word DM throughout these books, uh, specifically from like the TSR era to the Wizards of the Coast era, kind of also explains some of the differences that we see between old school players and new school players. If you want to use those two camps, um, one that is more heavily leaned into the wargaming and strict procedures uh, based gaming, and then the other one where the DM becomes more of a storyteller and and what have you, and it's, it's leading more towards the narrative side. And you can see it just in the definition of what a DM is. So my final word on fudging. If it's something that you do either regularly or if you think it's something that you might do, uh, my final word on this would be that you should do it openly. Make sure that you tell your players in session zero that it's something you may do. Um, simply say that at times you may be changing the rules a bit. You're going to do rulings when you have to. And at times you may have to overrule the dice as well if you feel that the results of those die were unsatisfying. Most people aren't going to care, but those that will will at least know that you're doing it. Um, so of all the things of, of fudging that I, that I probably dislike the most was when in 4th edition and 5th edition they say, you know, don't let on that you're doing it. You should definitely, if you were going to do that, let people know. So folks, that wraps up this episode of the Red Caps Podcast. I hope you enjoyed, you learned something, and you are eager to come back for more. Please subscribe in your podcasting app of choice, and if there's an option to leave a review, it would warm my cold little heart if you did. I'd love to hear from you, so if you head over to anchor.fm slash theredcaps, you can leave me a voicemail, or you can say hi on Twitter or Facebook at theredcapsnet. There is a Discord server. It's down in the description of the episode. Feel free to pop in there and say hello as well. Remember, never let your caps dry out. Stay safe, have fun. We'll talk again soon. Take care.